Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We are to love people and not use people. We've all said this. Well, if I do that, what's in it for me? Be careful. You don't use people. We use things. We love people. So what were they saying she was? Just a pawn. A thing. They didn't care anything about her feelings. Nothing that was happening to her. It wasn't really about her. It was to trap Jesus. Sin is binding. It leads us to judge others with a standard we refuse to apply to our own lives. Self-justification reveals our pride and we cannot live in humble obedience when the sin of pride reigns in our hearts. It's the choice to look in the mirror with our eyes closed. But as we will see in today's message, humility brings compassion. It does not condone sin but calls us to repentance in a life of faithful devotion by trusting in His forgiveness and love, in obedience which flows out of gratitude. Jesus drew a line in the sand. What side of the line are you on? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 25, for our continuing study entitled, Confession brings complete forgiveness. I, God speaking, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Could I hear an amen at all of our campuses right now? Are you glad about that this morning? Amazing. Now, sometimes I have trouble with that. One of the greatest things that people come to me with is, is forgiveness. Is they, they can't, they forgive the person, but they can't forget the hurt. You need to get a book I wrote called Prison Break. All the missions, go, money goes to the mission, then go to me. There's a process of learning to forgive and then a process of learning to forget. Can you ever forget the hurt? No, you can never forget what happened, but you, the hurt will not be there anymore. You'll, you'll remember the incident, but God helps you remove that sting from sin from that. You need to do it, otherwise you're, you're miserable your whole life. Now, as a result of confessing, God does what He does because of His loving character, His, His fellowship, His relationship. Now, here's what happens. When you begin understanding that, then this, as a Christian, when I ask forgiveness... What happens to me? That sin didn't make me lose my salvation, but it affect, I wasn't walking with God. So when I do confess, what happens? Take a look. Here's what you want to write. This is what happens to you. Real confession restores our relationship, our fellowship with God. So then I can begin to simply do what? Walk 
with God. Can two, uh, and that's two agree, can they walk together? No, they cannot. So that is huge in our life. Now, I want you to look at me. Uh, turn to John 8 on all of our campuses. Sebastian Vieira, work camp. Those of you watching online, turn to John 8 in your Bible. You'll see where that is. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very simple to get there. <clears throat> A story that very familiar. But I want you to look at me because I want to, I want to challenge you. <clears throat> We're going to have a great application with this. Now, over and over and over again, in John chapter 8, you're going to see Jesus, but you're going to see the character of God. You see, in Bible times, even though God stated his character, people didn't really relate to it. So we know that Jesus came to earth. It, Jesus was God, and he put skin on, and he came to earth to do lots of things, of course, celebrating Easter to die on the cross for our sins. But he also came to show us what God was like. And God's character is loving and forgiving, full of grace, not deserving it. But the people in those days didn't understand that. Religion was very, well, it was legalistic. When Jesus came, you're going to see in our story, it's a very different picture. Now, why do we have to study this picture? Why is it here? Because the world outside these walls of our campuses, they do not believe that God is forgiving. They do not believe that God is graceful. They think that many of them don't even believe in God. And so when you see this story today, this should change you to realize what God's character is. Some of you here don't have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ yet. You're still, you're, you're searching, you're kind of looking, you're seeking. Glad to have you with us. You're going to see how much God loves you. And then you can take that to the world. And we're going to see that as a picture. So as we look at John 8, this is going to end up eliminating so much confusion in the church and outside the church because God loves to forgive and he loves to give new beginnings. We read John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people, the Jewish people that were gathered there, around him, and he sat down to teach them. So Jesus goes where he loves to go, to the temple courts, he came and one of the main things he did was teach, to teach people how to do life right. And this encounter is going to have amazing application for you and me at this campus and every one of our campuses. Now, you can put yourself, when I like to teach, when we have stories like this, I'd like to have you immerse yourself in the text. So here's some options for you today, all of our campuses. You can be Jesus. You can be the crowd. Actually, I'm going to ask all of you really to be the crowd in, in one sense. You're going to see in a moment a woman brought in, caught in the very act of adultery. You can be that woman and try to, what is she feeling? What is she experiencing? And then we're going to have some Jewish scribes and Pharisees, religious people. And you can be them. What is their motive? Why are they there? But bottom line, as we go through this, I want you here in Melbourne, in Sebastian, in Vieira, in the work camp, in your campus, you be the crowd. You be the crowd.
And I'm going to walk through it person by person as we go through this. And I want you to begin thinking, wonder what was on the crowd's mind. What's on your mind? Because Jesus is going to get interrupted right in the middle of teaching, as if right now, in a moment, boom, here comes the religious guys, and they stop me from teaching right now, and they, here's, a, here's a woman caught in the adultery right on the stage. Wow! What would you learn about that? What would Jesus teach us? So it's going to be very powerful for all of us as we watch it. We begin again, verse 3. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Now, these teachers of the law and the Pharisees, not really bad people. They studied the law. Uh, they, they tried to keep the law. Uh, some of the good ones were Nicodemus, uh, Paul was, Galileo was. Uh, Gamaliel was. Uh, a lot of these were, were wonderful people, but they had a, a huge problem. Many of these Pharisees and teachers of the law were only concerned about one thing, their public image. Now, I want you to remember that. They didn't really care about anything but what you thought about them. So the long robes, all that kind of just, everything was external. What they tried to say to you as they, as they strut through the town was, I'm perfect, and you're not. I'm perfect, I'm better than you. And it was all about external. Jesus began to chip away at that. Remember he said, well, man looks on the outside, but God looks, tell me where? Where? On the heart. And you're going to see that heart exposed. Now be careful. Pastor Mark, I'm sure glad I'm not like them. Be careful, because you're going to find yourself in lots of places in the story, just as I have. Now, the rest of verse 3 and 4. And they brought a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group, before all of you at the campuses. On stage, she's standing. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, I want you to picture yourself as that woman. Can you see her on stage this morning? She is dragged through the crowd by these religious leaders and made to stand right here in front of us. Max Licato says this, caught in the act of adultery. The words alone are enough to make you blush. Doors slammed open. Covers jerked back. In the act. In the arms. In the moment. In the embrace. Caught. In an instant, she is yanked from private passion to public spectacle. Heads poke out of windows as the posse pushes her through the streets. Dogs bark, neighbors turn, the city sees. Clutching a thin robe around her shoulders, she hides her nakedness. But nothing can hide her shame. 
What was going through the mind of that woman? She's standing here. Devastated. No doubt shaking. She knows there's consequences to her sin. In front of all of you, very little clothes. What are you thinking right here in Melbourne and Vieira and Sebastian Orga? What are you thinking about her? We'll see in a moment what the religious Pharisees were thinking. What was Jesus thinking? I want you to write this. It's a sticky note. It's something I want you to remember from the teaching today. Every Christ follower is to be thinking and acting like Jesus. You know, some of us would say, well, she deserves it. Good. Maybe that'll stop it. Put yourself in her place. How would you like to be treated at this point? Now, remember, there's nobody that's sinless. Pastor Mark, but I, I don't do those kind of things. I didn't say you did. But there's nobody that's sinless. So as you begin to think about that, look at verse 5. In the law, the religious leaders continue, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, Jesus, what do you say? Now, here's a picture of the Old Testament, Leviticus 20, 10. You see it right there. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor or someone else, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. Now, I want to ask you a question. It's a very difficult question. It's very scientific, but you'll probably get it. How many people does it take to commit adultery? Just put your fingers up. How, how many? Oh, good. Most of you got it. Some of you are not married yet. You'll get it one of these days. I, I, to commit adultery takes how many people? Two. And how many standing in front of Jesus? Do you see a problem already? What do you think Jesus is thinking? Does a woman have a chance? Doesn't matter. I want you to think about this. Lots of people have a wrong belief that in the Old Testament, God act differently than in the New Testament. That's absolutely wrong. When Adam and Eve sinned, you'll see it next week. When Adam and Eve sinned, what's the first thing God did? He went after them and forgave them. The God that, in the Old Testament, the God in the New Testament is the same God. He loves to forgive. But here's a dilemma, because this sin took two people. Now, where's the man that was caught in the... Remember, it was in the act. Where is the man? The Pharisees, these religious leaders, didn't care anything about the woman standing there. They're not interested in the woman. That is not their agenda. They're going to ignore the law, and they were guilty of a sin just by not bringing them in. But they're going to use their religion to use this woman for their ulterior purpose. Jesus won't use her. You're going to see by the end of the story, he loves her. So would you write this sticky note down? 
it gets to the heart of how we treat people. We are to love people and not use people. We've all said this. Well, if I do that, what's in it for me? Be careful. You don't use people. We use things. We love people. So what were they saying she was? Just a pawn, a thing. They didn't care anything about her feelings. Nothing that was happening to her. It wasn't really about her. It was to trap Jesus. Look at verse 6. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. You see, their motive was to trick Jesus, to trap him. I thought about that this week. Their hidden motive, they think it's hidden, is to, is to trap, to trick Jesus, to put him into some place that, that he can't get out of. Can you imagine trying to trick the all-knowing God? I mean, how in the world do you do that? Well, you're going to see in a moment, they don't. So what, what was the dilemma that Jesus faced? Well, if Jesus agreed and said that the woman shouldn't be stoned, he's going to violate the law of God. If on the other end, Jesus agreed to her to be stoned, then these religious leaders would go right to the Roman government, which had said, you cannot have the capital punishment. As, as Jews, you, you can't do it. We'll do it. You can't do it. So what in the world is Jesus going to do? He's between, could I put it like this, a rock and a hard place. How is he going to respond to that? Now remember, look at me. Jesus was filled with the Spirit and was led by the Spirit. So everything he's doing, God is directing him. Look at the rest of verse 6. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. The New King James says at the end of that, as though he did not hear. He basically ignores them. He doesn't respond to them. Jesus knew that these religious leaders saw clearly the sin in others, but they were blind to their own sin. Now, Jesus was hurting as he watched that woman in front of him. She had to be shaking the whole time, thinking, I have minutes to live. I don't know what's going to happen to me. She's embarrassed, obviously humiliated. Now, notice, he bent down and started writing on the ground. We'll see this again. This is a common thing that we've seen in Scripture. I've done it before, you know, 30 years ago when I used to teach on this and whatever. But I think I've learned some wisdom from that. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what did he write on the ground? I have no idea. <laughs> well, what's up with that? If God wanted me to know, he would have told me what he wrote on the ground. So what that means, it had nothing to do with the story. Do you get it? Well, let's spend, uh, let's go to the Greek scholars and the Hebrew scholars and let's find what he wrote. Good luck. Keep the main thing the main thing. But I think I did learn this. Now, as you're here and these people are speaking, where is your attention in this little, you're out there in the crowd. Where is your attention? Your attention's on who? The lady. You're feeling for her. Or if you're legalistic, she deserves this. Your attention's her. Now watch me. Here's the lady. Your attention's on her. Here's Jesus. When Jesus bends down and begins to write in the sand, where's the attention? It's on who? It's on and it's not on 
the first time in the whole encounter, nobody's looking at her. That's an act of kindness. Jesus says, you, you focus it on me. Don't you think so? Quit focusing on her. You, you focus on me. Wow, what a great picture of love. Verse 7, when they kept on questioning him, he, he straightened up and he said to them, underline this in your Bible, if anyone, encircle this word, if anyone of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. If any one of you. Jesus is not talking to the crowd. Jesus is not talking, obviously, to the accused woman. Jesus is only talking to these self-righteous leaders. He says, if you legalists are without sin, throw the first stone. He already knew they couldn't. Because their real sin was not, this was a sin. Part of their sin was they went right by the law because they didn't bring the man. But their real sin was their motive. He knew in their heart they were here to trick him. They they didn't care about this lady. They didn't actually care about the guy. They were here to trick Jesus. So God took that secret sin that they had in their heart and what's he going to do in a moment? You can see, he, he, he makes it public in front of all the people. He, he, their hypocrisy is exposed. I like this. Someone wrote it like this. In a sense, they now stood naked in front of Jesus, the woman, and the crowd. God had given Jesus wisdom. And he challenged these legalists, these sin sniffers, and these self Righteous men. Here's a stone. Now I have to confess to you this morning. He that is without sin. I'm a sinner today. Because when I was walking the other day, I stole this from my neighbor's yard. (laughs) That's a true story. They were in the first service this morning. I thought they might throw a stone at me because... They know whose yard I took it from. They come to this church. I'm going to return it, so I'm forgiven. But what does this stone represent? Would you write it down? This stone represents a self-righteous attitude. Prideful. It represents a legalist. It represents sin sniffers. in the story of the adulterous woman? Were you one of the teachers who accused the woman? Were you the crowd who was ready to stone the woman? Or were you the woman who was accused of the sin? We can find ourselves in each of these people. But as Christ followers, we're to love those who sin because we're no better than anyone else. We all sin. That's why Jesus came to love every sinner. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. 
Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark continues to teach about the adulterous woman. We're just like her. We've all sinned. And none of us can accuse anyone else of their sin. When we want to accuse others, we need to stop and look in the mirror. Jesus did not come to condemn us, but to forgive us. Love is a verb, and we're to be about that action, forgiving others, just as we have been forgiven. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons for this.